right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. You don't got time Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hello. What is happening? I am Derek Johnson. I am uh, soft-spoken Derek Johnson today. Uh, uh, yeah, you can do the yelling today. Um, I, oh, you don't have to worry about that. I always, I'll, I'll bring the yelling for sure. Yeah, I uh, have had, I don't know, flu bug or something the past couple of days. Nick's done an excellent job holding down the four for me um, and, and for us here with RCST. So thank you to Nick, and uh, I'll be back today. So we're going to get through it today. Josh Briscoe is uh, going to join us at about 3.35 here to talk a little Chiefs football. That'll be a fun conversation with Josh. Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, will join us at 4.30. And uh, we've got plenty of other talk to get to. KU basketball, game picks, KU basketball audio. We are out a little early today at about 5.20, 5.25. We're going to scoot over to pregame coverage of uh, high school basketball. We've got our first games of the year over at Free State High School with uh, the girls team playing at 5.30. The boys team will be a little bit after that. Nick will be on the call of that game with Craig Hershiser. We are brought to you here on RCST by 23rd Street Brewery. And let's get right into our KU Indiana preview, which you'll be able to hear that KU Indiana game tomorrow at 10 o'clock for pregame tip off at 1130 in Bloomington. And for the Jayhawks, uh, certainly there have been some memorable games against Indiana blasted them last year, 1993 elite eight for a lot of people. Uh, you think of the 1993 regular season game in December, uh, a lot of fun ones for KU in this series. I think they're uh, seven and two or in the last, like, 50 years in this series, but Indiana won the first six in, like, the early days of the series. So oh. uh, this is a chance to tie up the series that uh, we all care about so much. But uh, anyway, uh, our KU Indiana preview, uh, check out College Basketball Analytics because uh, they're helping us out with our preview here. If you're a diehard college basketball fan, you're going to love the website. It's a deeper dive into the numbers for college basketball than any other website, and uh, that certainly helps us get through our preview. So first question that I always ask, how important is this game? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Uh, you know, you look at uh, Indiana and sort of where they are as a program. First of all, they just got blasted by Auburn, right? Mm-hmm. So they're 7-2 and two coming into this game. From, so from Indiana's perspective, this is probably their most important game on the schedule uh, because they it feels like they are a team that needs a marquee win. It feels like they are a team that needs something to sort of put them, thrust them back into the spotlight, right? They they've Their other loss was to UConn by 20, so respectable in that one, but... I uh, got blown up by Auburn. So for Indiana, it's very important. And Bill Self even said it earlier this week that coaching in Indiana was the toughest atmosphere he's coached in, right? So for Kansas, it's important. It's a, it's a battle of a blue blood and a, shall we say, second-tier blue blood, I guess, in Indiana that hasn't really lived up to that term, terminology in recent history. Uh, so I think it's very, very important for Indiana. And it, it's still important for Kansas. And, and you know, for K, you want to head into conference play on a, on a high note, you got three games left, including Indiana tomorrow. So it's it's definitely important for Kansas. You're going to go to a hostile environment, right? Probably one of the more hostile environments you're going to see for the rest of the season, I would think, because you know Indiana is going to be jacked up for this game. So I think it's an important game for Kansas to continue to build off of what they've been doing throughout non-conference play uh, so far this season, and and just recognize that hey, you're going to be playing a team that is going to be jacked up and looking to make a statement, and 
you're going to be rolling in there at, with the big targets on your back. And on oh, by the way, on top of all that, you've also got Hunter Dickinson, who uh, already has history with Indiana. And you saw what happened with Hunter Dickinson when K went to play Indiana, uh, Illinois in their exhibition. So you figure he's going to get a very warm welcome, <laughs> right? So uh, you know, there's there's sort of that side storyline as well happening in this game. So there's a, there's a lot kind of going on in the game, and, and I think for KU, it's definitely it's a game you don't want to lose, right? I mean, obviously you don't want to lose any any games, but I think a, a loss to Indiana would would sting a little bit extra for Kansas with Hunter Dickinson, plus the fact that you know this is an Indiana team that uh, is maybe in that second tier blue bloods, and you're trying to if you're Kansas, you're trying to assert yourself as a top five team. And I mean, let's just face the facts: this Indiana team. Even when you look at the advanced metrics, they just haven't been very good this season. They're not really that great of a team. They're kind of in the same range as like Missouri. Yeah, when you start to break them down, they're they're just they're not really that great of a team. And so from that standpoint, I think it would be also kind of a poor loss for Kansas if, if they come out. But listen, if you're Kansas, you now have had a week since the Missouri game to try to get back up to try to re-energize and get ready for this Indiana matchup. So I think it's important for Kansas to to continue to build off of what they've been working on and over the course of non-conference play. It's a chance to again maybe get Omarco Jackson into a, a hostile situation and see see what he can do, uh, and it's a chance for a guy like Dewan Harris to maybe assert himself because Indiana has some question marks at their guard position, uh, and so it's a chance for Dewan Harris maybe to sort of bounce back. I, I thought Bill Self uh, earlier in this week when he talked about Dewan Harris and he said he was solid and you know I feel like I've been a little bit more harsh on Dewan Harris at times so far this season in the sense of it feels like he's maybe not been really nearly as good as I think he can be. And Bill Self, I think, kind of tiptoed around that as well earlier this week. But I think I think the writing's on the wall there. Like, Dewan Harris is a guy that has been solid, but he can definitely hit another level. And I'd like to see that as well. Yeah. I, by the way, uh, with the Hunter Dickinson stuff, this was a quote from Hunter Dickinson uh, back in November of 2022. There's <laughs> okay. a lot of weirdos in Indiana. <laughs> Dude, okay. I got to say something. Do you remember the same thing happened before Illinois? Somebody found a random Hunter Dickinson quote from, yeah. like, two years ago where he was like, Illinois fans are annoying. So is it like every single Big Ten team, there's just one so. Henry Dickinson quote out there somewhere where it's like, oh, man, Michigan State fans stink. Oh, Ohio State fans are stuck up. Who's oh, the Big Indiana. 12 schools that he'll get, that'll get that treatment this year? K-State, uh, Texas, Texas Tech, Texas for Tech. sure. If they, do they at, play just, at West Virginia? Yes, they do. Okay, they at West Virginia. If they're at Texas Tech, they would that will get too, yeah. So I think Texas Tech, West Virginia, K-State are certainly the top three that would get some kind of comment from Hunter Dickinson. Uh, yeah, it's funny, and you're right. That is that is kind of an interesting storyline that it it Hunter Dickinson's going to cross paths again with a, an opponent that he played in the Big Ten when you go back to the Illinois That's game. Success. And remember, you look at the Illinois game; the fans were kind of ruthless. Yeah, they they, they kind of just booed the hell out of him the whole time. <laughs> so I don't know what to expect. Uh, and I think the real question there is: Hunter Dickinson is the type of player we've heard a lot about this, and, and Voice of Jax Brian Haney did a good job of describing this uh, one of our previous interviews early in the season about. You know, Hunter Dickinson is the guy that he he almost feeds off that. He likes that. He likes being that sort of center of a spot, center of attention, whether it's positive or negative. He likes being that guy. And this is a game where that's going to be on him. And how is he going to react? Is, is he is, is he going to kind of take that on and just really really go all out and have a big game, or how is that going to impact him? Because in the in the Illinois game, it was an exhibition, but it did seem like it maybe negatively impacted him a little bit. You know, he wasn't as sharp in that mm-hmm. game. Obviously, now that was that feels like eons ago now, but. Uh, same idea, right? You're going into an environment where uh, an opposing fan base is going to be specifically targeting you. I think this one will be a little better because he had never beaten Illinois, so I think there was a part of him that was really chomping at the bit to do that. He has beaten Indiana twice. He's 2-3 and three against them, but he's 2-1 and one in Assembly Hall. 
Um, and I think he's averaging like it's like 19 points, eight rebounds, two blocks, two assists. So 60 percent from the floor in those games. That was against Trace Jackson Davis, who was an All-American big man. Uh, they might have an All-American big man this year, too, with with Kellel Ware. I don't think he's as good as TJD was, but he's still a good big man, too. But yeah, I, I kind of echo what you're saying with how important this game is. Like, um, honestly, this is your most losable non-con game remaining. Absolutely. So, well, uh, I don't know how much, you know, what you think about Yale. I mean, you know, you big bad boys from true. Yale are coming in. You know, I mean, Ivy yeah, League, yeah, they're coming down. You know, that could be a tough game. You know? um, but yeah, man, when, when you look at Indiana, like this is a team that um, – they have not shot well from three. I think that's always the worry when you're playing a team on the road when they're all juiced up is that that's going to be something that helps them with. that. that but the, the beauty They've of, been terrible, though. They have been. They're, they're shooting 27.2% uh, from three. That's 335th in the country. The thing that makes me feel better, though, is that they're 359th in the country in three-point attempts per their field goal attempts, which means they don't take a lot of threes. So even if Indiana gets hot from three... And they shoot forty five percent. It might only be on might, fifteen attempts. Exactly. It, it might be seven of fifteen. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah. Which which that's not going to kill you at the end of the game. So, um, I think you feel good about that. What, what's interesting is both these teams do the same thing in in terms of being dominant inside the paint. I think uh, Indiana shooting, and this number comes from CBB Analytics, seventy three percent at the rim. Teams are only shooting fifty six percent of the uh, against them at the rim. Kansas is shooting seventy percent at the rim teams against them only 59%. So who's going to win that battle inside? When you look at Indiana, they play a big front line. Kalel Ware is averaging like 16 points, 8 rebounds, shooting 60% from the floor. He's a 7-footer. Malik Renault for a lot of teams would be their 5-man, 6'9", 233. Um, although, I don't know what's going to happen with him. He's their starting power forward. I don't know. if Did you see this today? There was some uh, report that he might have got like a DUI last night. Oh, really? Well, so they have the Xavier Z- Johnson probably. injury. They have the Xavier Johnson injury that's happening at yeah. the guard spot. But, yeah, two points I wanted to make about Indiana and how they can play big because I do think that's an interesting aspect of this game. And I thought it I thought it was maybe a little bit telling that Bill Self kind of pushed back a little bit on the question of Hunter Dickinson matching up against Kello Ware. And it makes me wonder if you might see more of what we saw against UConn when KU played UConn, which was Hunter Dickinson stepping out more. And when you have K.J. Adams, maybe K.J. Adams becomes that five, that sort of five-man on offense and you see Hunter Dickinson more on the perimeter in this game, which would eliminate sort of that one-on-one matchup with him and where and Dickinson hit some threes against UConn. So I, I don't know. I, I get a sneaking suspicion that Bill Self might have something up his sleeve for this game in terms of uh, that matchup and how he wants to play Hunter Dickinson because when you have a guy like KJ Adams who obviously has experience with the five, he did it all last season and is certainly a big guy that you and a powerful guy that you can play down low confidently. I'm I wonder if Bill Self's got some got some game plans here that involves maybe more Hunter Dickinson moving around on the perimeter uh, on offense and mixing up those matchups. And, and trying to get those bigs for Indiana in a, in a bit of a pickle. And, and again, what's the one thing KU's done so well this season? It's been passing. It's been cutting and passing. So if you get those big guys off even by a couple steps, you know, by Hunter Dickinson being out on the perimeter or something like that, it's going to open up opportunities for other guys to make plays. So I thought Bill Self maybe had a, maybe had a little bit of a tell there when he, when he mentioned that comment uh, earlier this week. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if we see some of that against Indiana. Yeah, for sure. So um, I, I think I saw a, a- well, I don't I don't know what this is. Um, let's see. Okay, I, I don't know. I think this is a fake account of somebody freaking Twitter. <laughs> anyway, there's so been a lot the of those. thing is not real, dude. There's uh, been a lot of those lately. A yeah, those. yeah. So that's unfortunate. Stay, stay safe out there on Twitter. Folks. Yeah. Okay. So ignore my comments on Malik Renault. But uh, one of the things that that Indiana does well is uh, they get teams in foul trouble. They're seventh in the country in in free throw rate, basically. So 
that becomes the interest to me with KU. Can you avoid foul trouble? Like, yeah. what does a game look like where Hunter Dickinson's in foul trouble? What does a game look like where KJ Adams is in foul trouble, especially against the big line? Because then all those things you just mentioned, I don't know how much you can even do them. So as far as what scares me most, that would be it for Indiana. Well, yeah, because you think about it. I mean, you mentioned it. KU has not been great from three-point either, really, this season. I mean, their numbers, I think, are a little bit more inflated than what we kind of see when you watch the games. But, right, if, if, if it suddenly comes a situation where – you're trying to shoot over those guys because you can't dump it down Hunter Dickinson, you know, two times a possession, or KJ Adams is is not a guy that can can get involved, and you have to rely more on your perimeter game to try to shoot over those guys. That that could be an issue for Kansas certainly, and I think really the foul trouble is the one thing that to me has been the constant theme of, well, okay, what could trip up KU in this game? Well, foul trouble, and they've done a, and to their credit, they've done a good job of it. And Hunter Dickinson, over the course of his career, Absolutely. has been really good at, at avoiding foul trouble, right? And so you hope to, to see that continue. But you would think there's going to be at least a game or two where Hunter Dickinson maybe does get two quick fouls and maybe you do have to play some extended time in the first half with him on the bench or something like that. And and right, in a game like this, where Indiana has the size maybe to possibly capitalize on that, what what would that look like? Uh, so I think you have to look towards Dewan Harris in this game. To me, KU has the experience. They should have the edge in, in the in the backcourt. Kind of, I think what you've kind of been alluding to, Derek, is you look at Indiana. They are basically sort of a crappier version of what Kansas has been. <laughs> yeah, like honestly, a, like a, a crappier. Like KU's been the way that they've played. They've been playing that at an elite level. Indiana's plays that same way, just with not as good results. Basically, yeah, they haven't been as good in terms of the numbers. And so, and when you think about that. That means that KU should still have the advantage with Hunter Dickinson down low and should be able to still have the advantage a little bit in that area because you trust those guys over maybe what Indiana has to offer. But the area where KU should still have a significant advantage is, again, in that backcourt with DeWan Harris, with the experience that he has, with Kevin McCuller and what he's been doing so far this season. You lean on those guys maybe if you're Kansas in this game, and, and, and maybe really that should help you separate against Indiana. Yeah, and for me, I, I think uh, the biggest strength beyond shooting, even though I don't view that to be KU's strength, you do have an advantage in this game. Uh, could be their ability to, I don't know, maybe force some turnovers and get out and run. KU's averaging about four more transition points per game per CBB Analytics, and um, they play a little bit faster than Indiana does. Indiana's not a slow team, but they do play faster, and uh, that guard play that you talked about is a big reason why. And uh, We haven't seen KU be a great turnover defensive team so far this year, but it's in their blood. They can do it. Like They have the personnel to do it, basically. So uh, I think they can do it in this game, and if you do, you know what's one way to not have to worry about a team who has a bunch of size uh, and, and having to score over length in the half court? Just score in, in transition, you know? Yeah. Get them down the court. Exactly. So I get think out, that's get out and run ahead of them. Do. Absolutely. Uh, do you have a most interesting player matchup in this one? Yeah, I kind of alluded. I kind of touched on a little bit with with the Hunter Dickinson matchup, and and again, it's I don't even know that it's so much Hunter Dickinson versus Kelly Ware. I think that's going to get a lot of attention, but again, I have a suspicion that Bill Self is going to be putting Hunter Dickinson in situations that are going to be more exploitable, and maybe where he's not specifically matched up against Ware. Uh, I think KJ Adams is going to have a role certainly in that area, uh, but that's that's certainly one of the matchups to watch. Is those guys, and then you know you look more towards the towards the other positions. Remember. This is an Indiana team that has Mackenzie Mbako, a guy that KU at one point was Got Cubaned, Mark yeah, Cubaned away. That, exactly, a guy that KU at one point was, I think, really banking on coming to Kansas, and it seemed like he was going to come to KU. And then uh, you're right, maybe a Mark Cuban might have flown in, uh, you know, his flight tracker from LA to Toronto. Oh wait, sorry, that's Shohei Otani. My bad. Getting, the, getting my Shark Tank. No, that was the yeah. Getting my Shark, shark Tank host mixed up. <laughs> getting my Shark Tank hosts hosts mixed up. But, uh, yeah, so they get in, they get Mbako, and Mbako has been 
really up and down for Indiana so far this season. He's been bad from three. Uh, so he's he's a guy, I mean, I think KU fans are going to want to keep an eye on just because it's kind of the situa- one of the situations where, hey, um, Mbako, you could be you could be on this team. <laughs> you know, you could be on the boys and could be the boys in white or the boys in blue instead of uh, the boys in, in red and those stupid pinstripe pants. Uh, so I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I do think Hunter Dickinson obviously is, is going to be the main attraction. He'll be the guy to keep an eye on. But again, I do get the sense that you may see Hunter Dickinson utilized in some different ways. Again, I, I, I continue to reflect back on the UConn game. I think we could see more of that, especially if Indiana tries to play big because uh, I think KU can utilize KJ Adams. Now, one thing is, early in the week, KJ Adams had been dealing with a sickness uh, that Bill Self had mentioned early in the week, so hopefully he's okay and, and will be able to re- be ready to go for KU uh, by tomorrow. But, yeah, I think it's a, it should be a fun game. That, and, again, I think it's it's probably going to be the most juiced environment KU may see all season, given the circumstances. Is it uh, crazy this is their first true road game? Wow, that is crazy. I know. Yeah, and it'll went be to their Hawaii. last one until, like, January 13th or something, January yeah. 10th. Because yeah. I guess they went to Hawaii, and then uh, they, they haven't been on the road yeah. really, yeah. A lot so, of neutral sites. Yeah, that's interesting, you know, and that and I think maybe maybe that adds to the intrigue of you know a guy like El Marco Jackson, right? First first true road game, uh, in in the, in the regular season. What's his response? What what? How does he handle it? You know, he's got some veteran guys around him that should be able to guide him through it. But yeah, there, there's certainly some interesting storylines for this game. But yeah, at the end of the day, like I said, I, Indiana to me is just kind of a, a much crappier version of what KU does. You know, they, they KU does those things, some of those things at a much higher level, I think, than what Indiana does, and. So I like Kansas overall, and and I feel like again, I want to see Dewan Harris have a game where maybe you look at the stat sheet and it's not you know, it doesn't jump out at you, but you watch the film and you just I just want to see a game where he is that maestro, he is that guy conducting the game, and so I'm I'm gonna, I'm going to be keeping an eye on Dewan Harris for sure also. Yeah, and that's my if that happens, then I think KU is going to win. I, I think if Dewan scores double figures, I think if Dewan and El Marco give you 16 plus points, I think they win the game. Uh, all right, we're going to talk more about this game throughout the show. Josh Briscoe will join us in about 15 minutes. Uh, let's do Rock Chalk Pickhawk next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. And uh, we're going to be joined by Josh Briscoe in about five minutes from right now. We're going to talk a little KU football here, but we don't really have time. So let's just get right into it. Rock Chalk Pickhawk, uh, I am 7-5. and five. You are 5-7. and seven. And Allegedly. you have the first pick. Yeah, with the first pick, I will go with Hunter Dickinson. Uh, I think you could make the case for Kevin McCuller. I, I believe you picked him first in our last I did. pick. Uh, but I'm going to go with Hunter Dickinson here. Uh, I think he's going to probably show up and have a big game against Indiana. Hunter Dickinson. Okay, I will go Kevin McCuller second. Um, it's a really interesting matchup, Dickinson versus Ware. I mean, those are arguably both teams' best players going at it against each other. So you yeah. wonder if that you know, maybe has an effect. I'll, I'll go Kevin first and then, man, with my second pick. Um, I, I'm going going to go with KJ Adams mm. um I think this is a game where if he is guarding like Malik Renault, maybe he's more around the ball down in the paint maybe he gets a few more rebounds than normal out of it and he's been I mean as, as long as he can come back from from whatever sickness he had uh better than I have come back um <laughs> he's been arguably KU's best player over the last like two weeks so yeah KJ. for sure for sure uh all right I'll go with oh, god it's so tough picking Dewan because you know he's gonna play a, a crap ton of minutes they play forty minutes. I know that's what happened last game when I picked him, dude. Uh, I'll 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 take Dewan, I guess. Uh, I because I, I mean he's gonna play a lot of minutes, but he should maybe he'll get some stats. You know, have a big game with assists. I'll go with Dewan, and then I'm gonna go with I'm I'm gonna go with El Marco here. I'm gonna go with El Marco. I think El Marco has a chance to maybe 
have an impact, and we'll see how he responds to the environment. I could have gone with Johnny Furphy maybe, but give me uh, El Marco Jackson. Okay, well, I'm going to take Parker Brown. Maybe there's an increased role for him in this game. There like, definitely could be, I think. Yeah, with with all the big men they have. I mean, obviously, if Hunter or KJ get in foul trouble, maybe that impacts a little. W- would this be a game where Bill Self throws out the two-big lineup that we've kind of talked know. about, I, right? I would like to see it. Yeah. I would like to see it. I mean, honest. this would be the game to do it. Yeah. So, uh, give me Parker Brown, and then I will take your guy, Johnny Furphy. The Furfinator, yep. man. All right, so, uh, was this it? What, last pick here? Yep, last pick. Okay. Uh, gosh. So my options are basically Timberlake or McDowell. You know what? Give me Nick Timberlake. I'm mm. the president of the Nick Timberlake fan club. Give me my boy. Well, I mean, when you think of Indiana basketball, you think of like white guy shooters. True. Yeah. That is what true. better opportunity for Nick Timberlake to break out, to break out yes. than in the state of Indiana. Yes. Right? And I think it, I keep saying that it, I think it might happen where he just has a game where he goes off Indiana. Book Good. It. It could. I remember there was a Brandon Green game where they played like at Georgetown in a non-con game, and he had like 17, 18 points. <laughs> Maybe this is that for Nick Timberlake. He needs it, man. He needs it. He does. All right. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Josh Briscoe is going to join us next to talk a little Chiefs football. Uh, this is RCST. You're listening on KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, it's Derek Johnson from Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. And despite sitting around in a studio all day, I feel loose and limber thanks to Massage Envy and their total body stretch service. If you have aches from a day at the office, working out, maybe a round of golf, Massage Envy can help. All you need to do is relax and breathe deep during the stretches, and they'll take it from there. It's great for your body and your mind. And they also have rapid tension services and advanced skin care. Massage Envy on 6th Street in Lawrence and 119th in Black Bob in Aletha. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Out a little bit early today for uh, high school basketball coverage here on KLWN. We're now joined by Josh Briscoe, who is the co-host of The Zone and Chiefs postgame on 810 in Kansas City. Arrowhead Report and Only Weird Games is uh, the newer podcast on Kansas City Sports Network, so you can check that out. And it's uh, at JB Briscoe on Twitter. Josh, thanks for hopping on today. Um, which Patrick Mahomes thorn in the side do you think is the worst? Like, which of these are are you, I don't know, most fearful of having to uh, talk about? 2019 Chiefs defense, 2021 Super Bowl offensive line, or this year's crop of receivers? I mean, I guess there's a chance this is recency bias and a chance I'm being a prisoner of the moment, but I, I think it's this year's receivers because they are actively hampering his ability to be the greatest quarterback on earth. Uh, and that was certainly true to some extent in that Super Bowl offensive line also. But the Super Bowl offensive line wasn't anybody's fault. Like, you couldn't really – no one with a reasonable take, and there were some unreasonable people, but no one could reasonably be like, oh, yeah, Brett Veach didn't – he didn't have, like, I don't know, eight offensive linemen on his depth <laughs> chart that could start for, for NFL teams. And, and the bad defense before that was sort of – certainly frustrating, but it was sort of a fun version of a high-flying Chiefs offense, and we were still seeing Patrick Mahomes like earn his spot as the greatest quarterback in football, and it's kind of sad that this last offseason felt like maybe the first year that really, finally, it was unanimous. Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. He's at the top of everybody's graphics. There's no argument to be had for anybody else. Debate number two, and now we're here and everyone still knows how great Patrick Mahomes is, but he hasn't been able to be great as often this year because of those receivers. So I think that might be the most damning. Yeah, it's uh, certainly when you see some of the stats this week about the drop percentage and how it's compared to the rest of the league and everything. But how how many of the issues go beyond the drops? How many of the issues go beyond what's actually being viewed versus, 
I don't know, messing up routes or I guess lining up offsides. Like, like wh- uh, where are the bigger issues here? Is it is it getting separation? Is it just not knowing what to do? Is it guys running wrong? Like, what can, can you pinpoint what issue number one is here for this group? It's a good question, and I think you rattled through a bunch of the stuff that I, I will also rattle through here. Uh, if asking about picking number one, I might have to talk my way through it and see if I can land my number one. Because, like, the things you mentioned there, not only have all of those things shown up many times over the course of the season, all of those things showed up against the Bills. You have MVS, for whatever reason, running to a safety. Yet again, when Mahomes wants him to sit down in space, he puts the ball behind him. Ultimately, it's behind him because MVS keeps moving. You have drops from Richie James and Kadarius Toney on what could have kept the drive alive. Um, you obviously have the offsides alignment from Kadarius Toney continuing throughout the entire game. So when you, when you add all of those things up, I kind of don't even think that to your kind of initial setup there, I think, I don't even think the drops are the biggest issue because I think drops are a little bit random. Most of these guys are going to have, like, again, Rishi Rice is a rookie. You're talking about him dropping the ball when he's turning out upfield. I believe that's going to get better. MBS's downfield drops have been something that's happened his entire career. They're frustrating. They're part of what limits him as a player, all of that. But I don't really think that's going to change for him. The other stuff is the most frustrating because it does feel like details, mental errors, failing to, to to do the things that you've seen a lot of these same players do in recent years. So the, the biggest problem is that there are so many more minute problems that all compile, and they, they all, by an order of magnitude, make the group worse. It's not just a drop here, a misalignment here, a, a bad route here, not being on the same page as Mahomes over here. It's when you're doing all of those things in concert. You just can't – anytime you get to the red zone, it feels like, a, like, a, like an excuse to throw a party because you didn't have one of those mistakes show up somewhere between the 20s. And then you get inside the 20 and turn the ball over. And it's like, well, okay, this, this is what this offense looks like when it's, when it's really struggling. So, yeah, I – there are many places to point the finger. The problem is there's not like a fix because I'm not even sure there's an issue. Well, and we were talking about this last week. It, it looks a little sillier now because the, the Packers just lost it at the Giants. But that yeah. looked like a team where the young players were getting better as the season went on or maybe in this back half of the season things are clicking. And I think you could go back to last year's Chiefs team and, and kind of apply that notion that, you know, George Karloftis, when you look at the production – over the back half of the season was was pretty exquisite. Uh, when you look at some of the young DBs they had, right, over, over the back, like Joshua Williams, uh, his, his season kind of progressed as the year went on. Like some of the young players, you saw it starting to click in the back half of the season, and it just feels like we're on a hamster wheel right now where it's just the same yeah. things from week one. Have we hit the point of no return, or do you think there is still time to figure some of these things out? Let me clarify your question a little bit. Time to figure things out with the receivers specifically? Uh, I guess both, honestly. But, but yeah, since we've been talking about the receivers, I guess if you want to start yeah. there. So the, cause the hamster wheel thing is great. That's a, that's a great analogy because it's exactly what it feels like when Andy Reid says after week one and week four and week 10 and week 14, it's always we're just off a tick. we got to clean up some mistakes and all of that. And so, yeah, and those things I'm not – I'm not going to bet on that getting better because, again, I think a little bit of it, the best you could argue is that it's kind of random because if it's not random, it's somebody's fault. Like, if it's not random, it's a mistake on some level, right? So 
I I think there is a chance that the turnover luck gets better. I think there's a chance that they just really, Isaiah Pacheco, current status notwithstanding, I think there's a chance in the playoffs they just run the offense through Kelsey and Pacheco and Rasheed Rice, and you you ask Kadarius Tony to make one or two plays a game. And I think there's a chance that that's good enough to get you to an AFC championship game. And after that point, who knows? You know, see what happens. But I don't think that there's, a change that can be made. It's not just like earlier in the season when it was, hey, clearly it seems like get Rishi Rice on the field more often or like force some of your younger players into into more roles earlier on. Sky Moore's not going to get better the rest of this season. MBS isn't going to get better the rest of the season. Justin Watson's not going to change. Like those guys, I think by and large, are just kind of what they are and, and even the negatives are what they are. I don't think that it's impossible to overcome those negatives but I do think we've got to believe that what the Chiefs have shown us for 14 games is, or 13 games, I guess, uh, is what they actually are. I, I don't know that that's going to change against the Patriots or in mid to late January. So if they are able to go to another Super Bowl or win another Super Bowl, what does that look like? Like, what is the path for that happening um, kind of look like? Like, what would have to happen in those games? Because obviously I'd imagine uh, the game structure would probably be a little bit different than some of these past years. Yeah, I think this is going to – I'm going to say some really cliche, really obvious stuff here, so forgive me. But the reason that it's going to be this is because of where the Chiefs are in relation to other teams that make Super Bowl runs based off what the regular seasons look like. If the Chiefs win another Super Bowl, it'll be because for four games in a row, they didn't have back-breaking turnovers, they didn't have back-breaking penalties, they didn't have back-breaking drops, they just, for the most part, did I did I did I trigger an alarm there? Yeah, we're uh, we're we're dinging you every time you give us a cliche. Okay, fantastic. Sorry. I, at first, <laughs> honest to God, man, my first thought was uh, that's the radio station thing. Something's going on. I'm just going to power through and not even acknowledge it. I didn't give you the reaction you wanted there because no. I'm a radio professional. <laughs> yeah, all those cliches. Okay, so yeah, so turnovers, penalties, drops, all the cliches, right? If those things don't happen, they'll end up in the Super Bowl again. The reason that that's cliche and something you've heard about other teams but not often the Chiefs is because that's what it takes for a good team to win the Super Bowl. Great teams can overcome some of those mistakes. Great quarterbacks can overcome a, a, a subpar defense. But the issues that are holding the Chiefs back right now are very normal. This is a normal-looking offense, even with Mahomes and Kelsey and Andy Reid, which sucks, but it's, just, it's, it's truth right now. This is a normal offense and a really good defense, and they're going to need some luck and some clean football to get there. Again, cliches, ding-worthy, but they're playing by the standards of teams functioning on a lower level than the other championship chiefs that we've seen over the years. Well, so is is this year proof, or I don't know, maybe this is uh, just a bad way of looking at it because maybe just there's been – too much of this, but is this your kind of proof that it is better for the Chiefs to have an elite of the elite offense with with kind of a mid defense as opposed to, I, I guess at this point still an above average offense um, with a good defense? I, is that is that a bad way of looking at it? No, it's 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 an interesting way of looking at it, and I but I don't think that this season, I don't think this season is indicative of of that from like a strategy standpoint. Because they, they definitely did try to cut some corners financially. But, man, I, I wonder if DeAndre Hopkins is on this team if Chris Jones gets a contract extension done. 
Like, I, I don't know. They, they did get the draft pick right in Rasheed Rice, and you've got two second-round picks and a third-rounder that you invested in Kadarius Toney. MVS taking a step back. If MVS was the same guy that he was just last year, I, I don't know if we're talking about that from a strategy perspective. So I, I don't know how many lessons I'm willing to even take from this season from a team-building perspective other than, hey, don't gamble on young receivers taking huge steps. Don't bet on, on specifically wide receivers. Don't bet on there being guys showing things in year two or three or with Mahomes that they didn't show somewhere else. Make sure that there is a this-tall-to-ride veteran receiver on this team. That's a lesson I think you can definitely take. But, like, there's a lot of money in this offensive line. There's a lot of, there's a lot of draft capital in this offensive line. There's a lot of money in, in Travis Kelsey. So I don't even know – the, the, and this is unfortunate to like have to talk such massive bleep about a couple specific players, but if MVS and Sky Moore do anything the Chiefs were expecting them to do this year, I think we're probably talking about this team in a fundamentally different way. Well, we know that uh, Wanya, or uh, I guess Donovan Smith is, is out for Sunday, which means that Wanya Morris would uh, have another go at it. What did you think of his performance last week filling in at left tackle, and uh, what do you think about it this week against the Patriots? I was impressed in his sort of game and a half now or whatever, game and two, th- I don't remember exactly when he came in against the Packers, but um, it, it's a little bit the the way we are measuring him because you, you get more excited about a third-round rookie than you do the veteran journeyman on a one-year deal because you're thinking about the future. But that's where I'm at. I think he's looks great in the, the run-blocking game. He, he looks pretty comfortable in space. Uh, it seems like he got beat to the inside a little more often than you'd like to see. That's, that's not a place you want to lose. But when you got Joe Tooney next to you and you're talking about a guy's first NFL start, that's, I'm not worried about him getting beat to the inside because he's not strong enough or not quick enough to get there. I, I think he's probably just really the speed of the game at this point is a test, but he didn't look out of it. Like He didn't look like he was getting uh, you know, a, 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 one of the circular doors that I can't think of the name of right now. He, he wasn't a turnstile. Um, and I think you, you're going to see him get more comfortable that, to the point that I'm kind of rooting for him to keep this job the rest of the way, in part, because I, I don't think he certainly wasn't a downgrade from Donovan Smith in my eyes. And his long-term viability is a huge deal. If the Chiefs can say, hey, Wanya Morris and Juwan Taylor are our tackles for the next few years, it's one less thing to, to have on the, the draft needs board next year. And then you can go ahead and focus on wide receiver and defensive tackle, which is kind of where I assume they're going to really need to be focusing. So, yeah, I'm optimistic about Wanya, and I, I'd love to see him continue to perform and, and improve bit by bit. The Patriots will be a good test. Belichick will be a good test. But I'm I'm pretty optimistic about where he stands right now. Were you uh, referring to revolving doors, perhaps? Revolving doors, revolving doors, exactly <laughs> what I was looking for. But turnstile also also was uh, good enough. I mean, I don't know if I've got like uh, just sort of Friday fatigue or Chiefs issues fatigue or what it is. But I'm I am full on deleting words from my vocabulary to come up with new ways to talk about how disappointing the wide receivers have been. No, you know what? When you talk as much on the radio as we do, you're allowed to have word not make sense, you know? You, you got you, yeah. to be allowed to have one brain fart every <laughs> once in a while. Like, it's just, it comes to the territory. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco also going to be out, and uh, with that, yeah. we saw Clyde Edwards-Alaire fill in last week. They, I thought the running game was actually pretty okay against the Bills. I, I thought it was fine. Um, I, uh, is this more of a long-term worry? I, I guess it sounds like he could be back next week. Like, what does this mean for the, the prospects of the Chiefs running game this year? I... 
It's funny because we've talked plenty over the years about like the fact that the running game extends beyond the running back and that that's been a kind of a, a crutch for poor evaluation for a long time. Running game, like you said, was fine uh, against Buffalo. Something like four yards of carry for uh, Edward Lair and McKinnon combined and well over that when you have four and a half yards or so with Clyde McKinnon, Tony, and Mahomes. I think what Pacheco takes with him by being out is a guy who the Chiefs have actually let be a three-down running back this year. Uh, his pass pro has taken a big step. His pass catching has taken a big step. And being able to be a guy who can stay on the field all three downs is, is part of the selling that they did for drafting Clyde edwards Lair in the first round. Is they wanted to have a guy who could be out there for everything. And Pacheco is actually that guy. His energy is palpable. His physicality is different than anything else they have. So he is a unique runner. And I think also probably the, the floor setter right now where if, if you hand the ball to, to Isaiah Pacheco 15 times in a game, you got a pretty good idea what that's going to bring, and you hope it brings you one explosive play somewhere in there and in a way that McKinnon and, and Edward Lair have, have not provided. So it, it is a loss to not have Pacheco. They certainly should be able to get past New England without him, uh, but in the long haul, it's really important that he's healthy and, and being able to take on his, his usual workload down the stretch for sure. Talking with Josh Briscoe here. Uh, you're good to finish up with good idea, bad idea. Yes, that's a great idea. All right, first up, letting Justin Ross play 40-plus snaps this weekend. Well, I guess it's a bad idea because they've already said he's not going to. They're going to keep that exemption there, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him get some more work. It was interesting that Andy Reid said, I guess Monday might have been the first time he was asked about him, or maybe it was Wednesday. Um, he said that he, you know, it, it, missing that much time is going to make it hard because you know they're they're building on stuff offensively. So we might be in in the second register year for Justin Ross at this point. Giving T. Higgins and the AJ Brown contract in the offseason, which I think is uh, four one hundred. Yeah, I'm going to say bad idea, and it's it's not because T. Higgins won't ultimately be worth it, but the fit with the Chiefs is kind of weird, and I'm I'm trending much more to the Mike Evans territory of like an older receiver who will take a nice two year deal. I don't know that I want T. Higgins to to essentially reset the market, which as a true free agent he might be able to do. I, I think it's going to be a ton of money for him. I don't know that he's the fit. I would be interested in a big way in Mike Evans and some of the other vets signing a free agent receiver and drafting a receiver in day one or two of the NFL draft. Good idea. Great idea. Mandatory idea, especially with my Mike Evans plan. Um, you have year two of Rasheed Rice. You are seeing if it's about over for you on Sky Moore and Canarias, Tony Matt evaluation, but Rice and Mike Evans are your one and two. And then in the late first or a second round pick on another receiver there, I think you've got to do that. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, doing everything that you can. I don't know what you'd have to give up. Maybe multiple first-round picks uh, to trade up for Brock Bowers. I, it is a tempting idea, <laughs> uh, but I will say ultimately here's, it's ever so slightly a bad idea, even though it's a very fun idea, because they're going to need these draft picks to keep this roster like financially viable. Um, as, as the Mahomes cap hits come, and we're going to figure out what they're paying a receiver and Maybe it's Chris Jones, and maybe it's Legereus Sneed, but it's not going to be both of them. They're going to have some some big financial choices to make, so they're going to need all those picks to hit like they did in uh, last year's draft class. So a bad idea, but, hey, you know, if he falls a little bit, you know, if he falls into the late teens, you know, but I'm going to start calling. I'm going to start making phone calls on weapons about in that range, kind of regardless of who's there. Okay, you mentioned earlier Andy Reid uh, just making kind of the same comments week in and week out as, as the team has kind of done overall 
you know, that they have everything in the room and they just need to do better, all this and that. Uh, doing the opposite, w- would that be a good idea or a bad idea, throwing the receivers under the bus? Specifically for Andy Reid, I guess it's a bad idea, <laughs> but you hear the hesitance in my voice because... It'd be a good idea for you, for, for your it, show, it, it, yeah. It, it's a good idea for me, and it would be a good idea for Airbnb. It would be a good idea... For Connor Embryer, or a good idea for somebody who Matt Nagy wants to do that, that's fine. It's it, it was a real topic of conversation this week. There was a, gr- a great question from Steve Walls uh, to Mahomes and his presser on Wednesday about, hey, you guys talked a lot about how Eric Bieniemy helps with accountability and details. So who holds you guys accountable to the details now? And Mahomes gave kind of a long word salad sort of answer about how they hold each other accountable and that the real accountability is all the friends you made along the way. And <laughs> I don't, I'm no like old school football guy. You know this. I'm, I'm not here to like scream at every player and grab them by the face mask and yank them in and tell them to go sit in a dark closet so the concussions go away. I think a lot of the new coaching of the last 10 years or so has been a very good thing. Andy Reid being like even keeled on a day to day basis. That's a great thing. But I like the fact that MVS sat into a television camera. I don't know what you're referring to when asked about his season being crummy is, is one of the most infuriating things that's happened this year because they're just pretending pretend he knows MVS knows, but they're pretending that they don't know that this season has been bad. And that that's a tough one for me to swallow. All right. Uh, then to the Eric B thing, uh, I'm assuming Ron Rivera is going to lose his job at the end of this year. Who knows what that would mean for Eric B Good idea. Bad idea. Bringing him back as offensive coordinator and demoting Matt Nagy back to, I don't know, quarterback. <laughs> Okay, I was trying to figure out how we could make this work, and the word demote is a very uh-huh. strong one, and it's a good idea. It's just a good wow. idea. It is. I can't help it. It's a good idea. Um, I think the enemy is going to end up getting head coaching interviews again. I think it, he may even be helped by the Chiefs' offense having some issues this year, and, and the Washington offense has still been pretty good. So, I, given the circumstances, uh, it was a big asterisk there. Pretty good by by those by, by Sam Howell standards. Um, so, I hope EB gets head coaching interviews again. I hope he doesn't end up on a third team in three years as an offensive coordinator. Uh, but bringing back the enemy in whatever context, fabulous idea. Um, I don't think. That, that Andy Reid would, would demote anybody, and I don't think that Eric Bieniemy would come back to be like the running backs coach all over again and move, you know, Pinkston to wide receivers or something. I, that, that game of musical chairs would be a pretty spicy one, but I, I would be very, very interested in having EB back. All right, last one I got for you. This is a goodest idea. So uh, you, have, <laughs> you have an order of three players here that the Chiefs could re-sign in the offseason. You have to rank it from goodest to gooder, to good, okay? Okay. On, uh, yeah. or, or, I don't know, you can change the words however you want. Uh, Legereus Sneed, Drew Tranquil, Chris Jones. Basically, which of those three is uh, most important to sign and, and which, I guess, based on contract value and everything, too, would be uh, last? Well, thanks for having me. It's been fun. I'll talk to you again soon. <laughs> um, that's brutal because I hate what it's going to sound like no matter what. I, I think the... I think the goodest idea is Drew Tranquil because I think it, unless unless something surprises me in the market, the fact that he hit the, the free agent market and landed with the Chiefs on a modest one-year deal this year was shocking to me. If the Chiefs can bring him back on a modest two-year deal, it's as good as, of an idea as there, as there is. I mean, he, he is arguably their best middle linebacker, arguably their best linebacker on this team altogether, all but he's certainly – 
uh, an incredibly underrated player in the NFL at this point, and certainly one of the Chiefs' two best linebackers. Uh, so however you want to – I'm in KU country right now. I can tell you that if you're going to give me Drew Tranquil or Nick Bolton, I'm going to have to really think about it. Um, so that, that almost has to happen in, in, in my eyes, unless he gets way overpriced and I don't want to overpay for a linebacker. But I, I think he's going to be in, in the Chiefs' plans. I think it's a good a gooder idea to bring back Chris Jones, but I thought it was a great idea to do that this last offseason, and obviously that got very, very tumultuous. Um, but I think this defense without Chris Jones is like kind of hard to look at. I, I think the secondary could survive losing Snead better than the defensive line could survive losing Jones. So I'll put him at two. And then Legereus three, uh, Leger- three, actually, is what I, is what I mean. Legereus Snead at three. Bringing him back would still be a good idea for me, but I think he's going to get paid a lot of money, and he's probably going to get paid somewhere else. But I do think the Chiefs are going to entertain paying Snead in a way they did not entertain paying Charverius Ward. So I think all three are, are plausible. I think Tranquil has the best chance, and then I think I think Jones and Snead are going to be really flipping a coin and, and maybe both of them going elsewhere even. He's Josh Briscoe, co-host of The Zone and Chiefs postgame on 810 in Kansas City. Arrowhead Report with SI Now and Only Weird Games on KC Sports Network. Give him a follow on Twitter, X, at JB Briscoe. Josh, I appreciate the time as always, man. Have a great rest of your weekend. You too, man. I feel like you just made me through the ringer. These are hard questions. Give me some softballs next time. Mm, we'll think about it. We'll think about it. No promises. <laughs> that was Josh Briscoe joining us here on Rock Shock Sports Talk. One hour down, about an hour and a half to go with a little Chiefs talk there. We'll continue on with the Chiefs talk coming up. In our next segment, Lee Sterling will join us after that. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and uh, we're out a little bit early today for high school hoops. Free State coming at you with the girls game at 530. Boys game will be a little after. Nick Springer will be on the call with Craig Hersheiser right here on KLWN and KLWN.com. Uh, before we get into some more Raiders Chiefs talk, Lee Sterling will join us at 4.30 and then our game picks, more KU basketball at 5 o'clock. Um, I wanted to get into this earlier, but let's just do it now. Uh, let's play a little reckless speculation. What could be the meaning behind uh, okay. some of these tweets from the KU corner room mm, versus okay. Mello Dotson? You know that I hate this stuff. But I know, which is I'll, why I want to do I'll it. I'll play along. Yeah. I'll play along. Uh, first is Mello Dotson. And... Uh, uh, there's a Maryland defense back, Avante Williams, okay, who I believe has some sort of past relationship with Melo Dotson. I don't know if they played at high school or, or what or know each other from somewhere. Nonetheless, he is uh, entering the transfer portal. From Maryland. From Maryland. And Melo Dotson quote tweeted it and said, where are we going? Question mark. So, a mm. little reckless speculation here. Interesting. Is this him asking the, have you ever, like sometimes people will say we as in like, you, yeah, you know, like sure. the, it'll just be a phrased way of doing that. Yeah, um, I know what you mean. Yeah, like what or are we doing is it here? More literally, where, where like you could we... be watching the Chiefs game and be like, "What are we doing here?" Oh, You're yeah. not one of the receivers. No, I say but, that right, right. I say that a hundred times exactly. a game. So it could be that. So he could just be saying like, "What, what, what's going on here?" Uh, he could be trying to recruit him to Kansas. Yeah, or could be. Could he be using "we" in the literal sense of saying, "Wherever you go is where I'm going." That I, that's the thought that I had. Okay. Was that uh, maybe he's saying where are we going as in where are we collectively the two of us going? Mello Dotson about a week ago. But he said he's going out, back. He, back no, for revenge. He, he said back for revenge, but he never said back. With a KU hype video. What if that was just his highlight? Why would highlight? you put out a hype video of KU to go back somewhere else? What if he was just saying back to college football? 
Maybe. For revenge. Maybe. That would be a gut punch. Because, I mean, obviously, you and I both also, and probably like 99% of KU fans, yeah. took the back for revenge tweet as he's coming back. back to Kansas specifically. So that would suck. Uh, yeah, so a little bit of reckless speculation there. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, you know, it could also be, if you want to dive even deeper, perhaps Melo Dotson knows that maybe Kobe Bryant is mm-hmm. going to be potentially leaving. And so he's saying, where are we going? As in trying to recruit him to KU to replace okay. Kobe Bryant. Uh, or, you know, KU probably might need some extra depth in the, in the yeah, quarterback Yeah, Gervin gone. Regardless, anyway. gone. Yep. They have some young guys coming in, certainly. Talent, but, yeah, but, uh, yeah maybe they need a, a guy to bridge the gap, someone like that. So uh, there's there's some different angles you could certainly take from uh, from three simple words. Where are we going? Which one do you most think it is? I think it's probably he's trying to recruit him to KU. That's that's what I'll go with. That's my guess. I agree with you. I I think it's mostly that. Um, I think he has like a another good friend who is a transfer like running back from Bowling Green. I don't know if that's something that mm. he can uh, get to happen, but yeah. I think well, that, you uh, got the Bowling Green connection already with J.B. Brown. Yeah, that's right. Now, I don't know how likely this would be for KU. Like, you have a limited amount of scholarships. Uh, I don't know much about the the kid, if he's really good or not. But, um, I mean, it's just uh, – I, I guess it does depend. If Kobe Bryant goes, then maybe you are looking for more immediate help there. But let's say Kobe comes back, you would have your two starting corners back. Yeah. And you, you want to eventually get playing time for – the guys, guys you brought in that are very talented, right? For sure, for sure. So we'll see. So it's just—I think it's just—it's a matter of if KU thinks they need a—they need a, a bridge, basically, yeah, a gap to sort of fill that. Possibly. Uh, the other one. Oh, more reckless speculation. More reckless speculation. Sheesh. Yeah. Um, this one comes from the guy opposite of Melo Dotson on most Saturdays at KU. Uh, that would be one Kobe Bryant, who. I, I saw this last night. He like uh, I, I saw somebody like screen grab this because again, I don't have Instagram. I'm reliant on other people <laughs> sharing what's happening on Instagram. Well, he me. continues to promote his YouTube page, trying to get people. Yes, yeah. What are we at there? Last have you I subscribed? Saw, have you done your part? I have not subscribed. I don't. I'm not a, really a YouTube guy. I don't really go on YouTube that much. I've it's not so easy to subscribe though. Uh, he. I think last I saw, he needed like less than a thousand subscribers to to get. Yeah, to I wonder what where we're asked. at there. I don't even know. Because, yeah, it was, it was, it, I just could not care less. 3,500 subscribers. But don't you want to contribute so that we can all figure out? <laughs> I just really, I just really don't care. But man, you, you got to subscribe because then we'll get closer to figuring out what his decision is. Well, this is your fault. Oh, it's my fault? It's your fault mm, that he has not announced his decision yet. I hope you know. I that. mean, if you want me to take the fall for it, I guess I will, but <laughs> I mean. I don't know. I just I don't go on YouTube that much. I'm not a YouTube guy. It, it takes uh, real quick. It's two point four nine thousand subscribers. What if what if he just never gets the three point or two point seven now? What if it just never gets to three point five thousand? What if what if we're just like There's left? Just no it? announcement. It's what like if, next what June. If it's he's like, like I haven't decided if what I'm doing yet. Because, well, yeah, it's like he hasn't gotten there, so he's like, I guess I'm just done playing football forever. Yeah, until we get to thirty five hundred. Um, but anyway, that's kind of messed up. He posted on his Instagram, I think, something about like I'm gonna miss memories here. Like a heartbreak. At KU? He just said, I'm just going to miss memories here. Oh. There's another reckless spe- speculation. Could that be about KU? <laughs> Could that be about Memorial Stadium, which they're tearing down? Could be, yeah. Because, think, I mean, there's been rumors and talk today and uh, I guess going on the message boards for the last couple of weeks about um, them playing a bunch of their games in Arrowhead next Could year. Could be. Right? 
Maybe yep. that's what it's about. Could be. There's some reckless speculation there. Um, and then here's the reckless speculation today. Kobe Bryant tweeted this out. A4 say what you want, I emoji, and it is a GIF slash video. I, I don't know. It's more of a GIF because it's only like six seconds of Devin Neal okay. and Kobe Bryant okay, kind of dancing around with each other, having fun with each other in the end zone. And then it's mm. hashtag RCJH, hashtag Kansas, ha- at Devin Neal. That, to me, seems to me it's more of like both coming back NFL. Or both thing. going pro. That's what I think. Why RCJH? Because they're both from Kansas. Mm. I don't know. Dude, this is why it's reckless <laughs> speculation, because I don't know. Dude, this is I love doing this. I'm going to take these as both uh, the most positive thing ever. Okay. Kansas is getting the DB from Maryland, and... Kobe Bryant and Devin Neal are coming back, back, and I think there's no other way to interpret that. Sure. And I think if it's wrong, you can't blame me. I won't blame you, no. (laughs) Okay. No. Well, as long as you don't blame me for the lack of subscriptions from YouTube. Yeah. No, I I do blame you for that. Well, then I'm going to blame you if it's something else. You need to go create like If you want to play the blame game, let's play. No, you need to go go create like 800 YouTube accounts and go subscribe 800 times so that we can get this So, okay, doesn't that mean I have to create 800 emails? Yes. Because that has to be a different email each time? Yes. You know I believe how much work in you. that would take. You know, I'll tell you what. I'll give you Monday off if you do that. No. <laughs> I'd rather come into work than make 800 emails. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty brutal. All right, uh, the Chiefs play the Patriots on Sunday. Stinky, it was it was originally going to be a Monday night football game. Yep. And then Are they you... realized the Chiefs suck, and so they said, you know what? No. I know. Low key. The Chiefs are terrible. Low key. They were like, hey, we're moving this game from Monday night because, and everybody was like, oh, the Patriots are so bad. That they made Patrick Mahomes get off primetime. But also, the maybe Chiefs they suck. were like, the Chiefs aren't that good either, you know? Maybe there's yeah. a little point but in their own direction. For whatever reason, they put the they put the Seahawks on there. The new Monday night game is yeah. the Eagles Seahawks. Is Geno Smith even healthy? I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. Battle of Yeah, birds. man. Uh, with the Chiefs, it's so funny because they've been so frustrating. They've been making you want to stab your eyes out, rip your hair out, or at least me. I don't know how other people feel, but. The, it's what what's so what continues to be so frustrating and yet so at the same time tantalizing about the Chiefs is through all this through all these problems oh the Chiefs suck the Chiefs stink the Chiefs this the Chiefs that they're terrible wide receivers suck whatever through all that they're like four plays away from yeah. being eleven and two like literally literally like four plays between the Lions game between the Eagles game and between the Bills game. And even against the Packers, they had multiple drives in the fourth quarter to try to take the lead as well. They're like they're like four plays and one good drive away from being twelve and one, okay. And that, that it's so it's so mind boggling because it's like all doom and gloom because they suck and whatever. And listen, I get it. It's the NFL. The margin for error is generally pretty narrow. I get it, but I don't feel like it's that narrow for a lot of teams. The fact that you could you know have four like that, something like that. So well, that's so frustrating is. You feel like they're so far away, but at the same time, it feels like they're so close. Right. They're so close to possibly being that dominant team. Yeah, I mean, right now in DVOA, the Chiefs are still third in the NFL. Yeah. The, and, the and 49ers then, are first, the Ravens are second, the Chiefs are third, Cowboys are fourth. By the way, the Bills are sixth. The Bills are are good, I think. Maybe. I, mean, I don't know. They, they might kind of the suck. Game picks later. The Bills are favored against the Cowboys. They might kind of suck, but I'm not sure. I am fully convinced the Bills are winning or going to the Super Bowl. How about that? That would really piss me off. How about that? I would hate that. They're going to win out. No. Go 11 and 6. Please, no. I they're going to get a wild. They're going to get like the five seed. No. 
Because my Josh Allen never win a Super Bowl take would be down the drain at that point. Mm. But uh, yeah, with, with the Chiefs, man, I don't know the 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 discourse around them has been so so toxic for so long, but now they have a stretch here with four games against four backup quarterbacks to where, okay, why don't we go and just beat the crap out of some crappy teams, get on a roll, things bounce their way, they may still end up being like the two seed or even the one seed in the AFC, and all is right in the world. By the way, how much are the Chiefs going to be favored in that last game of the season against the Chargers now? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like 20, honestly. honestly. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Because you look at what the Ravens have. You look at what the Dolphins have. You look at what the Bills have in front of them. The Chiefs have by far, by far, the easiest stretch to possibly still get in contention for the one seed here in the AFC, which is, which is wild. And listen, I think if you pay a little more closer attention to some of the comments made throughout the season by, the, by Chiefs players and even by coaches, this is a team that is like, they just set cruise control for January because that's how they've been able to do it the past five, the past five, six years. Just, all right, whatever. We'll, we'll, it's fine. You know, January, once January, once January comes around, we're fine. Now they're put it, they're testing that theory this season because they've been bad, but here you go. Now things, the stars align once again, middle, it's the middle of December. You're going to play four backup quarterbacks four bad. Well, I guess, I don't know. The Bengals aren't bad. So the Bengals will set them aside. Three bad teams, plus the Bengals. Well, I don't know. Maybe the Raiders are good now after putting up sixty-three on the Chargers. I don't know. But the I point is, they're just a decent team. They're just three fine. teams yeah. plus the Bengals that you should be able to easily beat if you're the Chiefs. If you are a team that's going to play for, if you're a team that's going to go in the Super Bowl, that gives you four games to get this crap figured out. Okay, with the offense, with whatever, right? And similarly to when we talk about. A guy like Nick Timberlake with KU basketball, and how I think it maybe it just might take one game. Maybe it just takes one game for the Chiefs, and suddenly it's clicking. Yeah, I, I don't know. That, I don't no, know. That that's how I view this game more. Like the one seed talk, it is prevalent because the Chiefs should go four zero these last four. I mean, if they play like they have the last four weeks, you are in jeopardy of dropping one or two that that you wouldn't expect to do. But, well, but just let me ask you this: you're going like, to be favored in all four. Like here's what I'm here's what I'm afraid of. Yeah, Chiefs go play the, the Patriots. And they win like sixteen to three, right? Okay, and the offense like gets it's they like go they go down and they can't they you can't don't score think in the, the red team's zone any better. They just got to win exactly. Like yeah. they can't score in the red zone. You know, maybe they have some drops still, and they win uh, you know sixteen to six or whatever. But they had to kick three field goals inside the twenty, and they couldn't score in the red zone. Then we're right back here on Monday more on Monday, and it's the same damn thing, right? Right? No, that that's where I'm kind of at. So like, I'm less concerned at this point with the one seed talk, like. If they're within a game in the last two games or something, maybe I'll I'll be more interested in that now. I'm just more interested, can you just start playing better? You know what I mean? Like, to your point, this game is less to me about, I, I mean, in a sense, I it mean, is about the competition assuming, for the one seed and winning because you do you, have to win to play well. Yeah, like, like I, 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 assuming that you don't lose, which I don't think we think they're going to lose. To the, the no, Patriots. I would Assuming you don't lose. It'll be panic <laughs> if they do, yeah. Assuming you don't lose, it at that point, it just comes down to, Playing better, to your point. Right. Play better. So that's that's honestly like I know it's a very simple thing, but like I'm I'm just most intrigued with like who cares about the opponent? Play to your standards. Yeah. And specifically, like I'm looking at the the receiving core. Like 
which I don't know that that's expected to get any better. But can you just not like this is where I'm at with the offense. No longer am I am I expecting the offense to be typical Patrick Mahomes offense level of explosiveness and scoring. Can you just become an offense that stops makes making mistakes? Yeah. Like I I don't know that the drops are going to stop. So like from that standpoint, those mistakes will happen. Can you keep lining up on sides? Can you know where? Hey, the Chargers got called for offsides. They did. did. Um, So it's like the Chiefs are the barometer for what penalties get called. I guess so. They start with the Chiefs, and then they're like, "Oh crap, guinea pig." Yeah. Oh crap! Now we got to make all these calls against the other teams too. Um, And then when you look at it, like the the times that they line up wrong, not offsides, they're on, they're they're on, but like where Mahomes has to like yell at somebody to be like, "Dude, you're on the wrong side," or you need to go back a step. Can you fix those things? Can you fix the running the right routes? I mean, how many times have we seen guys not knowing where to run this? Like, just those. Can you just stop turning the ball over? Dumb turnovers, fumbling the ball. Yep. Uh, there are some turnovers that are going to be inevitable. I mean, turnovers happen. Yes, exactly. You're never going to just not have any turnovers all season. Like, the, the first interception that Mahomes threw against the Bills, that was kind of just one that it's just like, that'll happen at times. You know, a defensive uh, lineman made a good play put the ball in the air on a, a tipped ball and it got picked. Like, that happens. There's nothing you can really do about it. Like, Mahomes couldn't have been like, oh, if I would have done, you know, like, that just happens. <laughs> Those you, uh, but the Rashi Rice fumble against Buffalo. That, that, that um, was the Travis Kelsey fumble against the Eagles. Yeah, against the Eagles, right? Some Mahomes interceptions. There's some Mahomes interceptions where it's like, okay, he was trying to make something happen here. You get it. But, like, can you tighten it up? Can you stop having the dumb penalties? Can your offensive tackles stop holding or lining up off? Like, can you just be a mistake-free offense because I think that's all this team needs. And that's the worry for me that they haven't shown it for more than like a game in a row. And to win in the playoffs because they don't have that extra gear they can normally go to, they have to just do that over the course of a playoff run. So show that in this game. Show that as you continue on toward the end of the uh, uh, the regular season year. Yeah. By the, the other, way, the other, oh, what? Oh, I, I was just going to say, I feel like the MVP conversation is really starting to like come up this week. Okay. Um, yeah. uh, there's a lot of Okay, Dak Prescott, there's a lot of Brock Purdy. There's a lot of Brock Purdy pushback. Brock Purdy. Yeah, Brock Purdy. Uh, there's a lot of pushback because of everything he gets Dude, around him. If nobody, if nobody at Brock Purdy's middle school called him Brock Purdy, that's the biggest missed opportunity ever for the the best so you're, you're, school bully you're there. So you're a proponent of bullying in school. I'm just saying it. that's just a missed opportunity. That's just a missed opportunity, bro. But no, why? I um, mean, Purdy, it's right there. Should Patrick Mahomes be getting more consideration? I know I, I will Maybe. I will prelude this by the saying this won't happen because we know there is a narrative game with these awards. No, if he throws for three hundred yards like a game the next four games and the Chiefs win all four. I just like the way I view it is if the Chiefs did not have Patrick Mahomes, what would their record be right now? I know you can do that in any season and of course the record would drop. But we saw seasons with Alex Smith where they were a playoff team, right? That's not the case with this team. Like, if you, if you give this team prime well, they would be, Smith, right? I think... Like, five and eight? Well, no, they would be... I mean, the defense is really Alex good. Alex Smith with these receivers? The defense is... They're a bottom five offense in the, the NFL. The defense is really good. They would probably still be have... You know, like six, six and seven? Maybe. I think you could argue that... I mean, what games would they lose? Yeah. I don't know. One other quick note uh, with the Chiefs. Isaiah Pacheco going to be out. Right. So... That hurts. More CEH time, baby. More, more Clyde. Yeah. Although, hey, Clyde looked low-key kind of good. Low-key. Low-key. He did was look Clyde okay. Lo- is Clyde low-key cooking? He might be. 
who knows? Maybe this is the best thing for Jet McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco down the stretch. They can have fresh legs. You know, give Clyde a couple weeks here, and uh, you expect the Chiefs to win. It'll be uh, bad thing to talk I, about I, on Monday. I'll tell you, happen. I'll be, I'll for sure be taking Monday off if the Chiefs don't win. For well, different at least, reasons. At least it's a noon game, so you'd have time to recover. All right, we're going to take a timeout. Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, is going to join us on the other side. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. we got high school basketball coming at you tonight at 5.30. Right now we're joined by Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. Uh, we're about to get into that perfect time of year for football we got college football bowl season starting up this saturday we got nfl games on saturday uh, it's going to extend through the next month or so then we'll get to the nfl playoffs so so much to look forward to uh lee thanks for hopping on today as always on our fridays let's start with one of the bowl games after christmas kansas state is minus three it's a battle of uh cats and dogs wildcats versus Wolfpack, taking on nc state and uh dave doran former Kansas City native. Who do you like in this one in the uh, Pop-Tarts Bowl? You know, I just think there's too many guys in the portal for Kansas State. I mean, not only is Will Howard there, their top running back, uh, receiver, couple key defensive players. I don't think I've ever seen an exodus like this. Now, I, I know that the backup quarterback, you know, the kid for Kansas State is probably going to be the kid that takes over. But, you know, other than that, I, I, I think some of these guys might be making a mistake. I don't know if you saw this. So, Last year, they tracked every kid that hit the portal. Turned out 60% of the kids never got got an offer from any other school. Wow. So there's going to be a lot of kids that, uh, you know, probably made a mistake. There's something about, uh, you know, waiting around, waiting for your turn, and, and learning, you know, your craft, and also growing up. You know, uh, just running away from problems isn't the way to go. So I think Avery Johnson will take over. I think he'll do a good job. But I think they're missing too many parts here, especially on the defense. And Dave Dorn's done a really good job rebuilding this defense. I know their starting quarterback is leaving, but they played three guys. I mean, Brendan Armstrong will be fine here. I think the wrong team's favorite. I like NC State here outright 23-20. The uh, game down in Houston, the Texas Bowl, features Texas A&M minus three against Mike Gundy and those Oklahoma State Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, Texas A&M, you talk about a team even more than, than Kansas State. The craziest thing is they're, one of their assistants is going to stay around and coach, and he's already been named the Syracuse head coach. So <laughs> he's going to be taking a ton of players with him to Syracuse. I thought it was a mistake to name him, name him the interim coach. Once you're, you're named coach of another college, time to move on. You know, it's not like they're they're playing in a playoff or playing for anything here. Oklahoma State against Texas, that was the only game they were really totally outclassed here. And usually teams that don't play well, conference championship game, playing a bowl game, come back and play at a high level here. I like Oklahoma State also outright. I think they win this game something like 30-20. to 20. The guaranteed rate bowl features the local Kansas Jayhawks. They're giving up 12 and a hook against UNLV and the uh, Rebels coming in. Who do you like on this one? So do you think that there's any chance uh, that we see I, – I, 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 know, I don't know if you – do you think there's any shot Jalen Daniels plays in this game? You know, we've, we've talked about that a bit. Um, I yeah. think personally it's something that would make sense that – you know, Bean gets the start, and maybe you throw him in there to make you feel good about where you're going for next year. But I certainly feel like locally, every time I bring that up, it gets shot down. 
<laughs> I wouldn't be shocked, though. I wouldn't be shocked if he plays some here. I do think that um, Jason Bean deserves to start, but the uh, problem here for UNLV is they've been exposed. Their run defense has got real problems. Now, give them very um, a great hand for what he did this year. They took them up the next level, even after like, they lost their star quarterback, but you can run on this team. So, the key is, I think you you run the football and then use some play action uh, once you make them commit and stay away from that too deep zone. So, I like Kansas. Sometimes you got to lay it if you want to play it. I think they win and cover this game, forty-two twenty-four. Well, certainly, last time they were in this bowl game, even though it was called something else, they they got a big blowout win. So we'll see if they can repeat yep. that here. Uh, the first semifinal is Michigan against Alabama. This is at the Rose Bowl. The Wolverines are giving up one and a half against the SEC champs. So I thought this was the toughest game to choose of the two games. Michigan obviously would love to have some nine, eight, nine, ten, twelve, fourteen play drives and eat up clock against Alabama and make them desperate uh, if they play with a lead. And Alabama wants to strike quick. That's their game. They hit on uh, two and a half more times, twenty yard or more explosive plays. But. Uh, I bet against Michigan the last two years in the semifinals and won big. This might be time to back them. I think Blake Corm at one time last year was one of the top running backs in the country. In fact, I thought he was going to win the Heisman. Didn't turn out that way, but still having another good year. I think he might explode here uh, with some time off. And J.J. McCarthy can make all the throws also can scramble when he has to and get pick up a first down. And Michigan only 26 penalty yards per game, which is number one in the country. They are not going to beat themselves here. Alabama under Nick Saban only 8-20 and 20 against the spread versus teams that average 42 or fewer penalty yards. Michigan finally gets over the hump. It's going to be no roll tide here come January 1st. Michigan 27-20. The other semifinal is Texas minus four against the Huskies of Washington. Yes, so Texas was impressive last couple weeks, and I I think they're going to keep playing at a high level, whereas I think Alabama might have just had, I wouldn't say a lucky, they definitely had their best game, and they peaked at the right time. Texas, I think, can keep doing it here. Uh, Their defense gives up just 80.8 yards per game running. That's fourth in the nation. And Dylan uh, uh, gave Johnson here, the running back for Washington, he had become an integral part of the offense, whereas early he wasn't. And I think they need uh, that balanced offense to have a chance uh, against Texas. Quinn Ewers looked great the last couple games. Uh, he, you could not even tell that he had an injured shoulder. And I thought their offensive line, very underrated. And, and also, it's like a home game. I mean, it's going to be... There's going to be 12,500 Washington fans, and that's it. There won't be 13,000. There's going to be like an 80-20, 85-15 crowd here. I like Texas 38-28. Well, the free play is the uh, Alamo Bowl, which features one of the hottest teams in the country with Arizona against Oklahoma, who's without Dylan Gabriel, Jackson Arnold, five-star quarterback, going to be going. How do people get a hold of the, hold of the uh, free play? So we've got a real strong opinion on this side here. Uh, this game, if you call right now, any any one of the first five callers, we're going to give it to you for free. So this will be a very strong bowl selection for us. It's on me. Just call 800-400-9741. First five callers, get it for free. 800-400-9741. And this will be our last uh, time that we do an interview until the Friday before the Super Bowl. And um, 
feel that uh, this is the time. If you've been waiting, don't wait any longer. We've won 12 out of 16 weeks this year. I've only had two losing Sundays in the NFL. You want to get the last three weeks of the NFL. You'd like to get – there's 36 bowl games from tomorrow all the way through December 31st. We'll probably have selections on 20 to 23 of them. Three weeks of action through December 31st. Normally 397 Last year was 297 Just $197. One place, ParamountSports.com. There we go. Well, Lee, uh, happy holidays, man, and enjoy uh, this great bowl season and everything. And thanks for the time, as always, man. See you in uh, a, couple, yeah. a couple months. Yeah, you too, Nick and, and Derek. And uh, I want to wish you and your families and your staff and all the listeners out there a happy and healthy holiday and uh, be safe. All right. Thanks again. That's Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports. Check it out. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to get to our game picks coming up on the other side. we got a little KU basketball action, KU basketball audio. We're going to get to you in the 5 o'clock hour, too. we got high school hoops coming at you with uh, Free State girls at 5.30, Free State boys after that right here on KLWN. You're listening to RCST on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Hey, it's Derek Johnson from Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, and despite sitting around in a studio all day, I feel loose and limber thanks to Massage Envy and their total body stretch service. If you have aches from a day at the office, working out, maybe a round of golf, Massage Envy can help. All you need to do is relax and breathe deep during the stretches, and they'll take it from there. It's great for your body and your mind, and they also have rapid tension services and advanced skin care. Massage Envy on 6th Street in Lawrence and 119th in Black Bob in Aletha. About a quarter till five, this is RCST on KLWN, KLWN.com, or the KLWN app. I'm Derek Johnson. Nick Springer has uh, left the building. He's getting ready for high school basketball, so he's on his way over to Free State High School right now, and you'll be able to tune into that game. Nick will be on the call with one Craig Hershiser. Uh, that one will tip off at 5.30 for the girls' game. The boys' game approximately sent for a 7 o'clock tip-off, but obviously will be dependent on... Uh, if it starts on time based on when the girls game ends earlier in the action. So here, all that game right here on KLWN, our uh, next high school games after that will be in the month of January. I think we have a January 5th game with uh, maybe Bishop Seabury or something like that. So uh, we'll get that schedule out a little more uh, coming in the weeks here. So that means we're going to be out a little bit early today on RCST. We'll be out around 520, something like that, to get to pregame coverage for those two basketball games over at Free State High School. Uh, we still have to get to some Kevin McCuller audio, which we'll get to in the 5 o'clock hour here. And we still have to get to our KU game picks for the game. So um, I, I have Nick's KU game picks, so I'll be able to go over those as well. But before we do any of that, we have our game pick game picks, where they're uh, for college football, NFL, some college basketball ones also. So on the season, Nick is 86-71-5. Uh, I am 80, 78, and 4 for football for both of us. He has gone 34, 34, and 2 in college football, so perfectly even after a 2 and 3 week. Uh, I am 28, 40, and 2. Very bad last week, 1 and 4, and bad overall in the season. Uh, did not do well betting on the FCS. All right. Uh, here's the college football games for this week. Bowl games getting at you. On Saturday, we have the uh, FCS semifinals, uh, NFL going on Saturday. So, I mean, a lot going on. This week with uh, 
So actually, the FCS semifinals might be in a few weeks. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, Myrtle Beach Bowl, Georgia Southern is giving up three points against Ohio. Nick's going to Georgia Southern. I'm going with Georgia Southern. So this was actually a game that when the, the bowl game was first announced, Ohio was was listed as like a three-point favorite. And the line has shifted. A lot of people are, are getting in on action on Georgia Southern. Um, reason why, I'm not totally sure, other than Ohio, uh, who actually has the better record coming into this game, um, has a quarterback, Nathan Rourke, who is uh, transferring from the program. And I think he's committed to, to somewhere pretty good. Um so you have your stud quarterback who, actually, it's not Nathan Rourke. I, I don't know, whatever. whatever. Their, their stud quarterback I know is transferring. I think Rourke was previously at Ohio. Either way, uh, he is transferring. So you're without your good quarterback in this game. And Georgia Southern, um, I think, will be able to take advantage of that. So I'm just going to kind of steer into more so the idea of the money's going on Georgia Southern. Like, there's a reason they have now been shifted to being the favorite. So... Uh, I will take them in this one. Uh, the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl is Miami of Ohio against Appalachian State, and this is another one where you have a MAC team who has a really good record. Miami of Ohio comes in at eleven and two on the season. They won the MAC championship over Toledo. You're taking on Appalachian State, an Appalachian State team who is eight and five on the season. So you would think, okay, maybe Miami of Ohio is, is favored. Maybe it's kind of a pick 'em, something like that. Well, no, Appalachian State favored by those six and a half points here um, is very, very interesting. So Nick's going to go with Miami of Ohio. I'm going to play with Appalachian State. I think there is a bit of a trap there. Now, with App State, much better than the record indicates at 8-5. and five. You look at their losses. Six-point loss at North Carolina. Three-point loss at a good Wyoming team. Three-point loss to Coastal Carolina. Seven-point loss to Old Dominion. Uh, both Coastal and Old Dominion are bowl teams, too, out of the Sun Belt. And then they lost at Troy in the Sun Belt Championship game. So they've lost to a bunch of good teams to get to their five losses. Um, they've kind of got hot toward the end of the season, too, because at one point in the year, they were sitting at three and four. Um, and then they won five consecutive games to make it to the Sun Belt Championship game. With Miami of Ohio, they've been a good team all year long, but their starting quarterback, who is the younger brother of Blaine Gabbert, I was having a good year. He got injured, and they had to go to a backup quarterback, and they were able to run this. Their backup quarterback couldn't really throw, but he was a good runner, and they ran a lot of read option, and, and it was more about the defense and the special teams and how they defeated Toledo in that game. But I think now with more prep for Appalachian State, they'll be aware of the quarterback situation for Miami of Ohio with the injury there. Uh, give me App State minus 6.5, even though Nick will go with the opposite. The Isleta New Mexico Bowl. New Mexico State has given up 3.5 against Fresno State. So Jerry Kill is the head coach at New Mexico State. He has done an excellent job so far uh, there with them. The reason that I think they're favored in this one is the head coach, Jeff Tedford for Fresno State, is uh, retiring. He's or stepping away, I guess, is the official terming because he has some uh, health stuff that he's kind of dealing with. So that could have an impact on this game. But I think that will unify Fresno State. I think Fresno State's the more talented team. Uh, New Mexico State has a good quarterback in there, but I, I like what this Fresno State team has. Last year in their bowl game, they absolutely blew out a Pac-12 opponent. Uh, I like them getting the points here. So does Nick. Starco Brands LA Bowl, the Los Angeles Bowl. UCLA is minus four and a half against Boise State. Home game for UCLA. That can work both ways. It can work that you have a home field advantage, but UCLA doesn't really fill out their crowd. They don't really tend to have even a home field advantage in their home game. So I don't think it's going to work that way. I think if anything, it's going to work the opposite way to where they're like, 
oh, we're not even getting to go anywhere cool for a bowl game. We're just playing right at home. I'm not really that up for this game. And me and Nick both like Boise State plus four and a half. UCLA has one of the best defenses in college football this year, one of the top 10 best, which is not really what you'd think of it with a Chip Kelly offense. Quarterback play in the offense has been more inconsistent for them. I think Boise, who's who's kind of hit their stride here, uh, they fired their coach midway through the season. Then the interim coach led them to just this phenomenal run at the end of the season to where they're one of the hotter teams in college football. And they ended up going into the Mountain West Championship game with a tiebreaker at just 7-5, and five, but winning their last four games and uh, winning five of six to finish out the season. And now they're hot. They had a, a cool little video where the athletic director names the interim head coach, the, the full-time head coach, and the entire uh, student-athletes uh, room or whatever goes nuts. Like, it seems like they love this guy as the head coach. I think they're going to play hard for him. They have a stud running back who has over 1,200 rushing yards who already announced he's not going to be entering the portal and that he's staying and not going to go out there for a big NIL payday, so good for him. And I think Boise State, they're playing uh, with a lot of, I, I mean, fire, and I think just more motivation in this game. So give me Boise plus four and a half. Roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl features South Florida versus Syracuse. The uh, Orange are giving up three points. Um, you heard with Lee talking about the weird situation at Texas A&M with their coach who's going to be going to Syracuse. So they don't really have a coach. Uh, Nick's going to go with Syracuse here. I'm going to go with South Florida. It's a it's kind of a home game for them. They haven't been in a bowl game in a few years. They played really well against Alabama, if you remember, earlier in the year. I think they're a little feisty. I think they want this a little bit more than Syracuse. And so that's why I'm going to take them plus three points. Now, I guess this could be a future opponent. There's been some rumors about uh, KU Syracuse replacing KU Illinois. We'll see on that. But, uh, yeah, that one uh, will be interesting coming up this week. Lock of the week, Nick is 6-7-1 and one in college football. I'm 9-4-1. and one. He's going to Texas Tech minus three and a half against the Cal Bears. I like that one for him. Uh, I'm going to go with Western Kentucky Old Dominion over 54 and a half in the famous Toastery Bowl, which is on uh, Monday. Great bowl name, famous Toastery Bowl. Uh, Western Kentucky likes to throw it around the field. Malachi Corley, one of the best uh, receivers you might not have heard about in college football. I, I think there's a lot of points in this game. Okay, on to the NFL, where on the season Nick is 41-22-2. and two. He went 2-3 and three last week. I am 38-26-1. I went 4-1 and one last week. First up is the Vikings of Minnesota at the Bengals of Cincinnati. The Bengals are minus 3. Uh, we're both taking Cincinnati. I've been really impressed with Jake Browning. I think they have a better overall team. Minnesota got by a few weeks early with Josh Dobbs, but he has faded big time. Now Nick Mullins is getting the start. Give me the Bengals minus 3 points. Pittsburgh at Indianapolis. This is a big game for the AFC wildcard picture. Indy is minus 1.5. Everything about this game wants me to pick Indianapolis because I think I'm just not impressed with Pittsburgh, and I have probably underdone it with Indianapolis this year, and it's hurt me a lot, but this is the ultimate Mike Tomlin and Steelers moment. You're you're trending down. Everybody's picking against you now, and now Mike Tomlin figures this out, and these are the types of games they win that they always finish with you know, a 500 or better record. Uh, Denver at Detroit. Nick's going Pittsburgh there, too. Uh, the Lions are giving up four and a half. Detroit hasn't been playing well, though, and Denver has been. We're going to both take Denver in this one uh, being played at Detroit. I, I think uh, Patrick Sertan can help take away Amon Ross, St. Brown, and uh, I don't know. The, just the lines are, are trending in the wrong direction right now with Arrow pointing up big time for Denver. Dallas is at Buffalo. The Bills are favored by 2.5, even despite Dallas looking like one of the best teams in the NFL and coming off that big win against Philadelphia. And... Uh, I am going to go with Buffalo in this one. Nick is going to take Dallas. Um, he's still not a believer that Buffalo is 
that good of a team. He just thinks they were going to get up, and they always were for the Kansas City game, which I guess this will be a perfect uh, perfect test to see. Like, if they win this game, all the talk is going to be they're back, that they beat the Chiefs and the Cowboys back-to-back, that now they're they're further in the, the wild-card picture that um, they could go on this crazy run, right? But if they lose this game, it is going to be more so, okay, now, even despite the Chiefs win, you're probably not making the playoffs. So uh, I think it's do or die for them again. Uh, I think Dallas... Um, as much as Buffalo put a lot of effort into beating Kansas City, Dallas had the same thing with Philadelphia, so I think that becomes a wash. It's played in Buffalo. Dallas has been so good at home, but playing on the on the road in the cold, I think that's a different thing. Give me the Bills minus 2.5. Baltimore minus 3.5 at the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think Jacksonville's kind of frauds. Um, give me Baltimore minus 3.5. Nick is going to take Jacksonville, though, plus 3.5. Lock of the week, Nick is 5-8 and eight in the NFL. I'm also 5-8 and eight in the NFL, so locks haven't gone great here. Uh, Nick's going with Chiefs minus 8 against the New England Patriots. I'm going to go with Cleveland-Chicago under 38 and a half points. I think that one could be low scoring. Flacco reverts from throwing for 300 yards. Bears defense has uh, actually been a top 10 defense since they traded for Montez Sweat, and uh, they've been doing some different things. I think this could be a low scoring game. Cleveland is a top five defense too in uh, the NFL. All right, college basketball real quick. Nick went 4-0-1. I just faded him last week, uh, so that was a bad week to fade him because now I am 0-4-1. Uh, UConn-Gonzaga tonight, top 10 showdown. Huskies minus 3.5. We're both taking UConn. I'm not fully a believer in Gonzaga yet. Maybe this changes my mind tonight. Texas A&M is against number 4 Houston. Technically a neutral site game, but it's being played in Houston. Uh, Cougars are minus 8.5. I'm going to go Texas A&M. They play similar style to Houston, just not as good at it, but I think they can make it a physical close game. Nick will go with Houston. Number 13, Clemson. I know, they're ranked 13th in basketball. They're at Memphis minus 2. We're both taking Memphis Anytime, this is a Vegas knows something line. Why is a team who's unranked favored against a team who's ranked 13th? Give me Memphis. Uh, will Naquan Tomlin play? That'll be interesting. Number one, Purdue, or number one, Arizona, against number three, Purdue. Again, not technically a home game for Purdue, but it's home adjacent for them uh, at a nearby arena. Purdue's minus two. Nick's going to go Arizona. I'm going to go Purdue. Uh, I think they'll have more fans in attendance in this one, and that could be the difference. And last one here, number nine, North Carolina, minus one against number 14, Kentucky. Again, neutral site game. Nick's going North Carolina. I'm going Kentucky. Kentucky's got a young team. They struggle in some of the games that you expect them not to struggle. But in these big games, I think they get up for them. I'm going to take the Wildcats in this one. All right, that'll do it for our game picks. We'll get to our KU game picks and uh, some Kevin McCuller audio coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. We are out early today for uh, high school basketball coming up at 525 here on KLWN. This is RCST. You're listening on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Kansas basketball is back in Allen Field. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery today. We uh, have talked plenty of KU Indiana, Chiefs football, plenty more. You can check out anything you missed on the Best of RCST podcast after the show. Brought to you by Massage Envy. Anywhere you get your podcast, including now at KUSports.com. Uh, we're out a little bit early today because of high school basketball. Free State uh, playing at 5.30 for the girls team. Then the boys team will be a little after that. Nick Springer and Craig Hershiser will be on the call of that action. We still got to get you some Kevin McCuller audio, which we will in our next segment here. But right now we're going to get to our KU game picks Um 
Nick is 17-9 and nine in KU basketball game picks. So how we do this, we are picking the spread, and then we're picking the over-under, and then we're picking a favorite prop bet. I've gone 16-10 and 10 in prop bets, so total it all up, 33-19 and 19 for the two of us, hopefully making you a little bit of scratch if you're using some of this. Uh, the first number here is KU minus 6.5 against Indiana. Um, it's a tough line because... I think KU is for sure the better team. I think if this was played on neutral quarter at home, I would be picking Kansas to win big, you know? The the thing that gets me is this is a road game at 11.30 in the morning. Their crowd's going to be amped up. Their crowd's going to be hyped. Um, a lot of similarities between these two teams. Like, KU's the better three-point shooting team, but neither team is known for their three-point shooting. Neither team shoots a lot of threes. Both teams are um, pretty dominant on the interior. Like Both teams block a good amount of shots. Both teams make shots at the rim, and they shoot a lot of shots at the rim. Both teams prevent shots at the rim. Kansas has been the better transition team. Kansas has been the better rebounding team. Both teams have size. I think Kansas has more opportunity to force turnovers and force steals. But... I don't know, there's something about playing on the road for the first time in a season and when it's as hyped up an environment as it is with Indiana. Now, what keeps getting me is last year, KU's first road game was a hyped up environment too. That was at Missouri. And they beat the brakes off Missouri. They also beat the brakes off Indiana last year. Different personnel. Some are back uh, for both teams at this point. It's a really tough line to pick. Six and a half points, man. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean Indiana just for the sake of it being your first road game, I think they'll be hyped up. Maybe they get a good McKenzie and Baco game. Maybe they get you know more threes than they normally make. Maybe they're hyped up and that helps them in that area. I think Kansas wins the game, but I think Indiana keeps it at least a little bit close to the down the stretch. Like the way I'm more viewing this is similar to there. There's some games over the past decade or so of Bill Self where they went on the road in the non-con in December against lesser power five teams or I guess in basketball it's like power six um, and they had to kind of squeak them out a little bit but they were able to do that in uh, gosh was it 2015 2015 they went at Georgetown I don't think Georgetown was a great team that year they won 75 70 I think I mentioned this earlier it took uh, Brandon Green coming off the bench and, and scoring 19 points and going five of five from three for you to win at Georgetown Again, you were, you were better than that Georgetown team that year, but um, you needed that on the road. Then you go to the 2018 season. That was the other one that came to mind for me. They played uh, at Nebraska on December 16th, so that would be the, the same day as tomorrow. And uh, that Nebraska team, again, like that was, you know, I, I don't even know if that was a tournament team for, for Nebraska. Yeah, they ended up making the NIT that year, so they're they fine. That, that might be the level of Indiana. You look at their Ken Palm rank, um, they might be an NCAA tournament team. They might not. I don't know. Uh, but you had to win that game 73-72 to 72 as Svee hit like a big corner three to win you that game late. So um, that's kind of how I view this one. I think it's going to take Kansas winning a close game on the road in a tough environment late. I do think they pull it out, but I think Indiana covers the 6.5. Okay, the over-under is 147.5. Nick's going to go with the under. Indiana plays at a okay pace. Um, it's it's certainly 
not slow. It certainly errs on the side of being fast more than it does slow. They're 99th in adjusted tempo. They're 125th in their average possession length on offense. Kansas is 47th in average possession length on the offensive side of the ball. So they like to play a little bit faster. They're averaging about four more transition points per game. They're also 105th in adjusted tempo. But in a game where you have all these bigs on the court, I wonder if that could clog things up and slow it down a little bit. Ken Palm has it as 148 points. That would be the slight over. Let's see, last year in a game that you blew them out, it would have been 146, so slight under. I don't know if Kansas scores quite 84 in this game, but I think Indiana puts up more than 62. I'm going to lean the under. I don't feel great about it because as much as Indiana hasn't been a great transition team, uh, Mike Woodson does like to, when you get the opportunity, get out and get in transition. But um, I'm, I'm going to lean under, but that one's very close. Favorite prop bet, Nick is going to go with Kevin McCuller over 16.5 points. I mean, he's averaging 18, 19 a game. I, I think as long as this line continues to stay around 15, 16 points, that one makes a lot of sense. I'm going to go with Hunter Dickinson over 31.5 points plus rebounds plus assists. He actually ended up with exactly 31, so slightly below this last game. He had 13 points, 16 rebounds, and, uh, or maybe it was 30 because I forget if he had one or two assists. Um, so in his career against Indiana, he's played well. He's 2-1 and one at Assembly Hall, 2-3 and three against Indiana all the time. He's averaged about 18.6 points, 8 or 9 rebounds per game, 2 blocks, and 2 assists. Now, those averages would actually be under, but so far Kansas, he's putting up better rebound totals than he's ever put in his career, and he is the focal point of the offense. And um, I think he's going to get some shots from three. Kellel Ware is a good interior defender. He's a good shot blocker for Indiana. Um Still, it's a different thing dealing with Hunter Dickinson. But beyond that, Ware has struggled a bit when he has to get out in space or do anything but drop coverage. And so I think Hunter Dickinson, this could be a game where he shoots three threes. If he hit two of them, you know, maybe it goes in. Uh, Indiana, oddly enough, they are a gigantic team, seven foot center, 6'9, 233 pound power forward. Mackenzie Mbako, who's basically a power forward, is playing the three for them. It's a very big Indiana team. Even off the bench, they've got a 6'10 Peyton Sparks. They've got a 6'8", 220, Caleb Banks, the 6'8", 215, Anthony Walker, who plays the 3 and the 4. Banks plays the 3 and the 4. They got size. Even Trey Galloway is a bigger 2, CJ Gunn, kind of a bigger 3. They'll post up Galloway, the 2 guard in the post. Like They are a big team. Despite having all that size and length, though, Indiana only ranks 262nd in offensive rebounding rate, which that might be strategy. Maybe they put numbers off uh, to, to go stop transition. I know that was the case last year. And uh, they're only 197th in defensive rebounding rate. Maybe this is a game where KU can take advantage, get some extra rebounds. Who has done that better than Hunter Dickinson so far this year? So over 31.5 points plus rebounds plus assists. All right, we're going to take a time out here, get to some uh, Kevin McCuller audio coming up on the other side. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it.